This is Season 6 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. About how many different species of animals do you believe there are on planet Earth? Did you know that birds have knees? Or do they? Hi, I'm Nick. (laughs) And I'm Roy. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 10, where we scour the internet and other sources to find useless information just for you. Plus, our useless fact of the week will answer your questions in our mailbag segment. And in news from around the world, a passenger is literally now on a no-fly list. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Animals, 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 crazy animals. Do you know how much it, it costs us to bring those animals into the studio? These jingles, Nick, they're very professional. They are. Yeah. So this it was one take. One take on the elephant and the lion. It was something else in there, a kitty cat. Anyway, thank you. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. We have some useless information for you, including my teaser right off the top. I'm not wasting any time. Do birds, go, do birds have needs? I'm glad you said go Nick and not go Nad. According to Scientific American and EnchantedLearning.com, birds, in fact, do have knees. The knees they are, have knees. They do. Not needs, knees. Yes, we, needs. we all have. Yeah, needs. well, they have needs too. But, yeah. You know, okay. Well, the I bird, don't know what that is. Well, the birds and the. Although bee- I do have something in the sex part that has something to do with that. But go ahead, keep well, going. Well, they say the birds and the bees, right? Okay. So the mm-hmm. knees are often located under the feathers and not visible to the human eye. Many people often mistake this for their ankle, the part of a bird's leg that bends backwards when it walks but it's for the knee. A bird's knee bends the same way as humans do. So, yes, they do have knees. Birds have knees. Yes. Okay. You ever seen a knock-kneed bird? Listen, you did your teaser. I'm doing mine right off the top. Fine. How many species of animals do you believe there are on planet Earth? And that is as of today because it does change on like a weekly basis. The, The number does change. But as of today... How many do you think, Nick? Based on how you're asking that, I bet you it's in the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. 7.77 million species. Really? And that is as of today. Seven, over seven, almost eight million species of animals on the planet Earth. Wow. Oh, and by the way, folks, I want to tell you something else, too. It's Nikki's birthday. Happy birthday. I know, I know, I know. Nikki. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for, for screaming that in my good ear. Thank you. Yes. I'm one year short of a milestone, and my sister said, oh, isn't it great you almost reached a milestone? I said, yes, it's better than reaching a tombstone. Uh, <laughs> there you go. So uh, how do ducks on frozen ponds stop their feet from freezing? which is a good question. So a biology professor, Erica Knoll from Trent University in Peterborough, Ontario, which is just east of us here in Toronto and Canada. I'm in Toronto. Roy is in Florida, so he knows nothing about frozen ponds. Uh, Oh, no. Yeah. So the ducks and other water birds adopt a cold weather 
system by using a countercurrent heat exchange system between arteries and veins in their legs. In ducks, veins that take blood from the extremities back to the heart surround the arteries, then take the blood from the heart and pump it away to the extremities. And so this process happens and the warmth from the blood passes through the surrounding vein and brings warm blood back to the body cavity so they don't freeze to death on the frozen pond. If they start to shiver, they'll knock their knees together. <laughs> Since they have knees. That's right. <laughs> have you ever watched a snail? Uh, That'll put you to sleep, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, the last time I watched a snail, I did fall asleep. It took a long time. They seem to have like these suction cups that hold them to things, right? It's like the front of their face or something that comes out of the shell looks like a, it looks like it hooks on, right? Right. But it's not just that. They have these very fine little hairs coming out of the shell that helps them stick to the object that they're climbing on. That is incredible, right? So they have these little hairs that come off the shell, but they're so slow. By the time they get to the top of a branch, they need a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Something that means. else you don't know about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The last time I had a haircut was 19. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now, if you ever watch the flamingo eat their food. Mm-hmm. I used- do from time to time That's down right. here. You can see flamingos all the time. Well, I'm sure you've witnessed this. They when And they're they, not just walking around on South Beach. No, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> Those of you who live in Florida will know exactly what that means. Uh, so why does a flamingo's head have to be upside down when it eats? Ooh. Flamingos are known for standing in shallow water on one leg. Mm-hmm. But most people are unaware, and that's why you're listening to the show. So listen, laugh, and learn. Now mm-hmm. you'll know. The flamingo has to use bristles at the top of its beak to filter out the mud and water that gets sucked uh-huh. in along with the actual food. It therefore has to eat with its head upside down, as otherwise it would be unable to filter its food properly. It's a filter system. And most flamingos here in Florida in the Gulf region, they eat the pink shrimp in the in the Gulf of Mexico, and thus it turns them pink. That's what makes a pink flamingo pink. Even I learned something. So they're not originally yeah. pink is what you're telling me. No, they were not originally pink. They're pink now, but, you know, I mean, they, they became pink from eating all the pink shrimp. Here's a question. Do flamingos get pink eye? You never know, Nick. Yeah. I have no idea. Cowbirds. Have you ever heard of a cowbird? No, I haven't. I have to admit, no. Well, apparently they lay their eggs in other birds' nests. They pick a free nest and they lay their eggs in it. Lazy birds, the cowbird, when the birds hatch, the parents aren't there. They let them hatch and then they reunite with a secret chirp. That's like a password that's built into them so that the mother knows who her children are and they can then rekindle with their siblings. It's just that's that is just amazing. Like they have like their own little password. And the password is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a question. Can orcas speak dolphin? Mm. You know, so uh, an orca's, you know, swimming along going, <laughs> and then it says, you know what? I want to see if I can make it do an impression of a dolphin. The answer is yes. Groups, oh, wow. they communicate with the dolphins. Groups of killer whales have their own dialects that are further influenced by the company that they keep. But in a 2014 study published in the Journal of Acoustical Society of America, I'm a subscriber, Journal of the Acoustical Society of America, 
They hear things. Uh, reveal. This is what I heard. They revealed. I just look at the pictures. That's right. Of, <laughs> of whales' ears. Revealed that, so according to this journal, it revealed that orcas housed with bottlenose dolphins over a long period of time were able to replicate the dolphins' language. So Ooh. these killer whales are hanging out with the dolphins, and next thing you know, they're talking. They're talking just like them. Oh, you wait know what a I'm minute, they kill the whales. Yeah. So they're like, "I'm a real pretty dolphin. Come on inside the little rock formation." The dolphin comes in, and bam, they eat them. <laughs> Sneaky wow. little. Yeah, they shorts. are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nick and I have been friends for over forty years. Yes. And as you all know, if you listen to the show, we both grew up in New York and became friends. And 40 years later, here we are. Mm -hmm. But did you know that the Tasmanian devil, which is actually it looks like a toss between a rat and a chihuahua, Mm -hmm. you know, like a fat rat chihuahua. Mm -hmm. It's it's a weird animal, but look it up. It's called a um, Tasmanian devil. But when they're born, they make friends with other Tasmanian devils and they stay friends for life. They will stay friends with that other animal for life. They'll stay together in packs and they will defend each other and they are friends. Amazing. So does that mean that that's what's going to happen to us? I, I don't know. I, I You don't look like a rat in a chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. They're very hairy, Nick. Yeah. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Ray. We thank you very much for joining us week after week. We are in over 62 countries and on the iHeartRadio Talk Network all across Canada. We really do appreciate your support. Hey, it's sexy. Oh, yeah. All about sex. Wow. Mm-hmm. Attention, farmers. Wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. But Before- Hold on to the farmers. Because yes. we need to make sure that we keep the lawyers out of our offices this time oh, around. Oh, yes, that's right. The following segment may be too sultry and too sexy for some listeners. Uh-huh. Okay, Is what, she a lawyer? You know what? She very Well, she sounds like one. <laughs> <laughs> she sure charges like one. I saw that movie. I'm going to give you a writ of habeas corpus. I was like, wow, do I get penicillin for that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You were saying attention farmers. Great uh-huh. segue. Yep. You can get human papillomavirus farmers. That's an STD. Okay. Uh-huh. From having sex with your chickens. No, come on. Okay. First off, I can understand a sheep. Can you? Or a pig. Can yeah, you? I can understand that. I okay. mean, you know, sure. you know, you have sex with a sheep, Nick. It's illegal in yeah. many states, but go on. Yeah. Yeah, but there's like, you know, once person said to me, yeah, you have sex with the sheep, any side effects? And I was like, nah, <laughs> but, <laughs> no. but these farmers are having sex with chickens. OK, that is crazy. The farmers seem to get all the chicks, but, mm. you know, I mean, <laughs> having sex with chickens, they're getting diseases from it. Now, I do understand from a point of view of having to hold three chickens at the same time. Right. Makes sense. Sure Think does. about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one in one hand, one in the other, and oh, kidoki. <laughs> yes. What the cluck is going on? Uh, oh. <laughs> according to Adam and Eve, it's uh, who are they? They released some stats from an all new survey. What time of day do you prefer to have sex? Ooh. Most adults still choose to have their sexual encounters in the evenings or late nights at 20%. Mornings are the next most popular time, 
with 10% choosing those early hours. And afternoon sex was the least popular time at 8%. Yeah, most people are working and they right. sex. It's with a colleague. That's right. <laughs> hey, we're colleagues. Wait a minute. Hang on. So it, yeah, but we're fifteen hundred miles away. If we're having sex, Nick, I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Notice I took credit for that. Yeah, I know you did. So Dr. Jenny Schuyler from she's a resident sexologist at Adam and Eve. That's a great job, isn't it? What do you do? I'm yeah. a sexologist. Sure. I'm a sexologist. She suggests <laughs> oh yes. She suggests that couples uh, do all they can to have sex during the daylight hours. Mm. Humans are diurnal animals versus nocturnal, so we have mm. former energy when the sun is up, among other things. Our hormones are also working in our favor versus uh, versus beginning depleting by the end of the day. So uh, the daytime hours are the best time to have sex, according to this sexologist. What is I think the sexologist should just get to the point and have sex and just... She went on too long. Okay. (laughs) Too many facts. It's long long foreplay with no payoff. Ginger stimulates the feeling of excitement associated with sex in the brain. It elevates your heart rate and gets the blood flowing so that it also increases blood flow, which is good for sex. Mm -hmm. So on your next date, Nick, take her to a Chinese restaurant and order some ginger chicken. <laughs> and don't call her ginger. Well, right. you know, and then turn around because your wife will be behind you. Well, with I was going to say I'm happily, <laughs> I am happily married. At least I was before the the airing of this broadcast. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I understand. Okay, I'll check it out. So you imagine you come home and the, she says to you, Nick, I smell ginger chicken. What were you doing? <laughs> what were you doing? So how about some far out sex, man? Like far out. Like yeah. can you have sex in zero gravity? The idea has yet to be tested as far as anyone knows, though if the human race were to colonize on other planets, and we know that that's in the works right now, it will be tricky because sex is very difficult in zero gravity, apparently because you have no traction and you'll keep bumping into the walls, which, hey, what's the difference between in space or on Earth? It's all the same. Think about it. If you have no friction, you have no resistance. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're married and then you have resistance all the time. And stress. Right. And still no sex. For those of you that are not married, it's a wonderful institution. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes. we belong in an institution. That's what I was going to say. Roy and I have been married for so many, not to, wait, wait a minute, let me rephrase that. Roy and I have, are, we are respectfully. Happily married to, to other people. Other people, right, yeah, not to each other, so other people. So we are happily married in our respective relationships, and I forget mm. where I was going with that. Well, Oh, yes. So we are proof that we are institutionalized. There was a study done that shows that men experience more emotional pain after a breakup than women. Really? Now, I believe that could be true because I hate her. I hate her. I hate her. She broke my heart. (laughs) Is that a country song? I hate her. I hate her. I hate her. She broke my heart and took my dog (laughs) and my truck. I hate her, I hate her, I hate her. She took my dog and my truck and left the pig behind. Yeah. And left the pig behind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> took my pig. That's right. <laughs> hey, what's your fetish? A study was done using Google search data and revealed there are different results based on the state that you live in. So this is obviously in the United States. So, for example, in Florida, where Roy resides, the most common fetish... 
their search request, according to Google, was piercings. In Florida. In Florida. The most yeah. popular fetish search request in New York was leather. Hmm. Other states, for example, Georgia, hair came up in the study. Indiana and Nevada, armpits. What? Okay. Hey, if you have someone who lives in Georgia and then moves to Indiana and Nevada, that have they, they have a fetish for hair in the under the armpits. Okay, that's bad. Virginia, their fetish is balloons, and Oregon, used underwear. Used underwear. That's right. That is the most popular Google search for fetish sex. Wow. Mm-hmm. Piercings might be good in the area I live, which has mostly senior citizens. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the women could pierce their breasts to their ears to keep them up. <laughs> <laughs> now that's kinky. It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Along with the pigs behind. Oh, my yeah. God. Uh-huh. Yep. Gives new meaning to nipple piercing. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> Speaking of kinky, (laughs) people who are into kinky sex Uh have been shown by studies to be psychologically healthier than people who are not into kinky sex. They're healthier than those of us that are not kinky who are less adventurous. So they're more adventurous Uh and in better psychological health than people that aren't kinky. And and at our age, kinky is what happens when your hundred foot hose is in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, what I was thinking was at our age, it's when our our knee locks in and just kinks. That's that's yeah, our definition I, of kinky after a certain age. At our age, we need to pierce off. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so if your doctor is on you, uh, men, I'm talking to men right now. So ladies, just you know, hold on for just a sec. I'll get to you in a moment, mm-hmm. men. If your doctor is on your fat butt to, to reduce your weight and to reduce your BMI, your body mass index, tell them to go take a hike. Researchers in Turkey conducted a year-long study on the relationship between BMI, body mass index, and male sexual performance. It turns mm. out that men who have a higher BMI last an average of 7.3 minutes in bed while Whoa. smaller men with smaller BMIs can barely keep it going for 108 seconds. 7.3 minutes for a fat guy, 108 seconds for a skinny dude. Okay? This is what? Sex? Yes. What, what do you think I'm talking about? Cooking? Well, the fat guy's doing better? Yes. So while a lean guy may fit the status quo, it looks like the larger men will win the trophy in the end. Seven. This is why I've been satisfying women for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your fat ass has been satisfying. I'm a women big fat <laughs> bastard. <laughs> That's right. Hey, so I'm proud of it. I'm so proud to be fat. Yeah. See, <laughs> hear that, ladies? That's I'm fat. Right. Come and I'm get fat. me. Come and get it for 7.3 minutes. Wait, what's 108 seconds where you can go 7.3 minutes? The only problem is if there's a woman that calls me for sex, I can't run over there. I'm out of breath too quickly. <laughs> you know, I just realized something. So fat and out hold of on. Shape. Uh, wait a minute. I just found out something. So hold on. Didn't I just say it take, it's a year-long study? So what does yeah. it take? 7.3 minutes of sex in a year? Yeah, probably. It sounds uh, like mine. Okay. 
That's what I was wondering. And it's 3.2 okay, minutes. Okay, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> Roy's wife on line two. What ladies are calling you? <laughs> I want to say go to nickandroy.com. You can listen to over 100 episodes. If you like what you're hearing now, you're going to have a gold mine when you get to nickandroy.com. That's right. nickandroy.com. Check it out. Check out our pictures. Check out all kinds of stuff. nickandroy.com. Where do expressions come from? We want to know right now. Hey, if you're hoodwinked, okay, that means you deceive or fool someone. But the meaning mm-hmm. is not apparent from the is not really apparent from the word's roots. The hood makes sense. But what about the wink? It's a bit redundant. Mm. Both roots mean to blind. The hood is a reference to covering of the head, while wink today usually means to close one eye. It originally meant to close both. So the verb in a literal uh-huh. sense of, is to cover the eyes. To blindfold, it dates all the way back to 1562. Hoodwink. Hood blind. Right. Hoodwink. Hoodwink. Very cool. Yeah. You got that, folks? Yep. Well, get ready for this one. I love this one. The idiom, it's all Greek to me. When someone looks at something that looks like gibberish, they go, it's all Greek to me. Right? I wonder, you know, I wondered about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a widely known uh, response. And it's just basically, it, you don't read Greek. So it's all Greek to me. But what do the Greeks say? <laughs> so we found out. The Greeks say it looks like Turkish to me. It all looks like Turkish to me. Oh. The Turks say. It all looks like French to me. (laughs) The French say it all looks like Hebrew to me. Can you imagine this? This is true. The Chinese are weird as hell. No offense, Chinese. The Chinese say it all looks like Mars to me. Can you imagine? How amazing is that, that each culture has that, you know? So it's like when someone says, hey, try this exotic food. It tastes like chicken. What does chicken taste like? Well, it tastes like turkey. What does the turkey taste like? (laughs) It's just great, you know, because you don't even think about stuff like that. When I first read that fact, it was all Greek to me, too. Uh, (laughs) I was really grasping at straws. The etymology Ah. of the phrase grasping at straws comes originally from Thomas More in his work, Dialogue of Comfort Against Tribulation in 1534. The idiom refers to a drowning man grasping for anything, even a straw, to save his life. But in today's world, it's come to mean to act or decide, usually in desperation, without enough information or resources. So to grab a straw to breathe through. Basically, yes. Pretty cool. Grasping at straws. Don't steal my thunder. Steal my thunder. You know what? I had that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, okay. So originated from a guy named John Dennis who was the inventor of the thunder machine that was used for theaters and silent films. So they had this thunder machine, and when it looked like bad weather on the screen, they go, yeah, yeah. you know, like, and it would sound like thunder. Okay, so others copied it in other theaters, and so he said, they stole my thunder. 
Oh, so wow. to steal one's thunder is to steal John Dennis's thunder machine. So in a in a future uh, episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy, we thank you for joining us. Um, the way to create thunder is using a piece of sheet metal. Is that right? A very thin sheet yes. metal, yeah. and you wave it around to make it sound like thunder. It's all. It's right. called the Foley effect. And there are a whole bunch of sound effects that we use in old-time radio. So they would use uh, different things like coconuts, for example, to replicate the copping of uh, copping of horses. The expression, the elephant in the room, is an yeah. American phrase with murky origins. The first reference being in 1935 to meaning something that's obvious and incongruous. In the 1950s, the elephant in the room came to mean what it means today, which is something enormous that people chose to ignore because it is quite uncomfortable to deal with. Elephant in the room. Yeah, I would think that would be it, you know. Yeah. I'm going to try to trunk that. I mean, trump that. <laughs> trunk. <laughs> tusk, tusk. Often a bridesmaid, never a bride. Oh, yeah. That's a saying that a lot of people have heard. Often a bridesmaid, never a bride. And it kind of makes common sense, but do you know how it came about? Was it because this this uh, female, for some reason, was in many bridal parties and she never got married? Is that why? Yes, yes. But it comes from an actual commercial ad from the 1920s from the company Listerine Mouthwash. Oh. The ad implies that girls with bad breath will never meet a man. They'll often be a bridesmaid, but never be a bride. What a <laughs> great advertising slogan. Wow. Isn't that good? I love that one. Guys, write that one down. Well, it's not an advertising slogan. But what a concept, though. So if you have bad breath, yeah. Yeah, wow. It's also called birth control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Birth control. <laughs> Stinky breath. Get away. <laughs> Get away from me. So uh, again, with the pigs behind. Cash cow. It originated in the year 1970, and it has overtaken milch cow in popularity. Both expressions, milch cow and cash cow, came from literal cows. If a female cow has given birth at least once, farmers can continue to milk that cow. They can sell that milk with little labor and maintenance for a steady income. The cash cow. Oh, so that's a cash cow. It only gave one. It only had birth once and you can continue to milk it. So that's the cash cow. And the other cows might be for birthing and they're not cash cows. Right. Wow. Pretty cool. Or they're walking around with like, you know, with like a wallet or something like a wad of, of cash. A wad. Yeah. Like, so the farmer might say, how do you uh, I like my cash cow? How do you like them there, apples? <laughs> There's the one. Ah. How do you like them apples? Where does that saying come from? And I've heard that saying a million times. It's from World War One. The English during World War One fought in trenches. They called it trench warfare. So they invented these mortars that they could fire from in the trench to try and hit the trench that was maybe a hundred yards away from them with the enemy Germans in it. Oh. So they shoot these type of grenades through a mortar through the air. Well, one of the mortars they invented was called a toffee apple mortar. Why? I have no idea. But when they shot them, the men would yell out, how do you like them apples? Oh. And the Germans would shout back, I believe, 
We like some menstrual. (laughs) (laughs) And then they. No, but can you imagine? Yeah. They would shoot these mortars called toffee apple mortars at the Germans and scream out, How do you like them apples? apples. There you go. And then they turned. It is crazy. And then they turned over and went to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Total Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We thank you very much for listening week after week on every podcast platform as well as on the iHeartRadio Talk Network from coast to coast in Canada. We thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to send us an email, we'd love to hear from you. And and for the hundreds you have, thank you. Roy, what's the website? Oh, it's nickandroy.com. Doesn't everyone know nickandroy.com? If you don't know it, you should write it down. Nickandroy.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? So speaking of the apple turnover strudel, we have Greta. Greta is from Heidelberg, Germany. Hello, Gretel. Deutschland, Deutschland. <laughs> well, Greta, thank you. We enjoy getting email from all over the world. This is so amazing. 64 countries, Nick? Something like that. Losing count. Mm-hmm. 63 or 64 countries around the world. But Greta, thank you. Heidelberg, Germany. Greta says, I listened to your show last week, and I am not familiar with long-legged lederhosen. Oh. And when we interviewed the so-called named man, George, who had been uh, had his home broken into and they stole his lederhosen. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. He said, I ex- described the lederhosen as being short pants, and he described his as long-legged pants, leather pants. Right. She's not aware of right. that either, and I was taken back by that because as a kid i would go to all the Oktoberfest. my mother's side of the family was all german so well greta for some of us to to maybe explain this a little better and myself included for some of us uh shorts just don't work if you if you know what i mean <laughs> they don't yeah. give you the coverage that you need you know uh-huh. i need a longer pant leg <laughs> i mean i might get away with a capri something under the knee if you know what i'm saying <laughs> I have no clue what you're saying, which is not unusual. Because the schwanz is under the knee. <laughs> yeah, we did get quite a bit of feedback. The strudel, the strudel is peaking. <laughs> so if if you did uh, not catch last week's episode, we talked to Ron Bloomer. He wrote a whole bunch of books. We discussed poop, because why not? And also we spoke to George, who was the victim of the Lederhosen heist. Those who don't know, so that you know that we actually speak the truth, Alandiega is kind of like a a German sausage meat, like almost like a Slim Jim. You know the Slim Jims we eat. Yeah, it's like a German Slim Jim, but a little bigger than that. You know, well, it's it's actually square. So if I have my Alandiega peaking, we have a problem. We do. <laughs> so uh, I have actually uh, have I have two uh, mailbag entries. Okay, so this one is from uh, Amna. From Benghazi, Libya. Dear Nick and Roy, I'm listening from Benghazi, Libya. To be honest, it's my first time listening to the show. However, I'm already a fan. I just want to thank you for putting a smile on my face. At the time of this writing, he said it's Ramadan now with the blessing, which is a blessing month. So he wished us good things and spreading and thanks us and blesses us for spreading the joy. And he blesses Canada because he listens to us 
on one of the iHeartRadio apps when she listens to our uh, radio station in Toronto. So thank you, Amna, from Benghazi, Libya, and he listens every week. So thank you. Ashley from Fort Lee, New Jersey writes, Dear Nick and Roy, we absolutely love your show. We download it every week when it comes out on Thursdays. Yes, it comes out every Thursday in a podcast form, and you can hear us on the radio on the weekends. I take good care of my nails. I often use an emery board and nail files to keep them neat and tidy. I was wondering where did the emery board come from? Well, thank you very much, Ashley, from Fort Lee, New Jersey. Great question. The emery board was first patented by J. Parker Prey of New York in 1883. Emery boards were generally less abrasive than metal nail files, and hence emery boards may take longer to file down nails than metal nail files. The emery board is named after the rock from which the paper that it makes, it comes from. It's like sandpaper. Emery. Cool. And what was the guy's name? Jay Parker Prey. He said, Prey, I sell these things. <laughs> That's right, and he did. Find, <laughs> you can file that under nickandroy.com. <laughs> and now, for something completely useless. Kama Sutra, Nick. Yes. Well, didn't we do sex you already? Did didn't you we have do? that at home? Uh, oh, this yeah. is my this is my tidbit information. Little little useless uh, fact. Yeah. Different, okay. Different, uh, useless fact. You asked me if I have the Kuma Sutra. What is it? What is it? Do you ask me if I have Kuma Sutra? Yes, I have a very. I have a bunch of different books. Yeah, uh, I have the board game. You have the board game. That's right. Yes. <laughs> the home game. <laughs> Sounds like one of the girls you dated in high yeah. school. <laughs> I was going to say only one can play. Flat as a board game. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was often bored. Come on. They were nice people I went out with. Yeah, they were. Yeah. <laughs> the Kama Sutra has 250 different types of kissing. What? They have 250 different references to how to kiss. All right. So over the years, I've tried them all. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully with the same person. Happy wife, happy life. Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> no, so, okay. Now, I did not, I'm not really fond of the so-called asterisk kissing. <laughs> you kiss my asterisk, yes. It was at the bottom of the list, so to speak. <laughs> so over, how many, 200 and what? How many kisses? There was literally 250 references to how to kiss in the Kama Sutra. If you've never seen the Kama Sutra, folks, you should get it. You it is an amazing it book it that these that these Asian people went through the, the, the task of literally documenting every single possible sexual pose and sexual thing that you could do. Mm -hmm. It is an awfully interesting book, and you'll realize how boring you really are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At the end of the Kama Sutra, there's actually an illustration of having sex with the book. Oh, <laughs> wow. Lots of paper. Been there, done that. <laughs> with lots of paper cuts. Uh, my useless fact is, what is the meaning behind the Pop Goes of the Weasel song? Ooh. You know, like a jack-in-the-box. Yeah. Isn't that English? The first idea is that the rhyme was written in Cockney rhyme. Yeah. As slang, a popular way of speaking in Victorian London's East End, which mm -hmm. people used to disguise what they were saying. 
So the first idea is that the rhyme is written in Cockney in rhyming slang, a popular way of speaking in Victorian London's East End, which people used to disguise what they were saying. So in this idea, pop goes the weasel. Weasel means coat, and pop is all about pawning possessions. So that's the true meaning behind pop goes the weasel. I thought it had to do with the short later hosen. <laughs> no, <laughs> You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy today on the show. We talked about popping your weasel with sex, animals, and expressions. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. So in my teaser about the headline from around the news from around the world, I said he's literally on the no-fly list. A Mm -hmm. recent Southwest Airline passenger is facing consequences after exposing and fondling himself in mid-flight to the terror of his seatmate. What the hell did you want him to do? Jump out? I mean, he's in a plane. Antonio McGarity was arrested in Phoenix by Phoenix police after Mm -hmm. his flight from Seattle landed at Sky Harbor International Airport. According mm-hmm. to the criminal complaint, during this three-hour flight, McGarity pulled down his pants and started to, uh, you know, pleasure himself in front of the female oh. passenger. Oh. Not once. You know, I've, I've often played with my nuts on the plane because <laughs> no, I do I, like peanuts and they give them to you. That's right. Man. He did this not once, <clears throat> not twice. What? Not three times. Four times in his three-hour flight. Man's got stamina. He's got a lot more than that. McGarity was seated in seat 11F, and the female witness was seated in 11E. Shortly after taking off, he got off, I guess, while the aircraft was in the air, he exposed himself and started his um, handiwork. I hope he had his seatbelt on. <laughs> That's right. That's what you call safe sex. That's right. Was he wearing lederhosen? Because it may not have been his fault. He, you know what? He was he wearing... Pop goes the weasel. <laughs> In his case, Pop goes the weasel. That's right. <laughs> All over seat 11E. <laughs> McGarity is now facing federal charges and could be sentenced up to 90 days in prison. And I wonder where they put the handcuffs. <laughs> Come right this way, Mr. McGarity. Oh, yes, he do. (laughs) Come this way. Uh, 90 days in prison and or a $500 fine. You think? Did he have anything to say for himself other than ooh and ah? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And he he made sure that his tray was in the upright position. I hope he wasn't flying JetBlue. He might have changed the channel. (laughs) (laughs) No, he was. It was was Southwest Airlines. It was Southwest. It was Southwest Airlines. It's funny if there was a little turbulence, he'd be turning the light on and off. <laughs> He's an ex- woman in Lebanese. Excuse me, can you turn that, that air thing off? <laughs> you please? Uh, so, as part of his uh, sentence, not only days in, 90 days in prison, he's never allowed on a Southwest flight again, according to the airline. He exhibited, well, yes, he did exhibit. Exhibited lewd, a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lewd behavior resulting in the lifetime ban from traveling on Southwest Airlines. Needless to say, he is now on Southwest Airlines' no-fly list. Yeah, but wait. Now, wait a second. Now, they arrested him. Did they throw him in jail for this? They 
Uh, they, they, he's facing federal charges. They haven't charged him yet, but he. Yeah, could. I was going to say it has to be federal because who knows what state he was over. That's right, and, and he did it four times. Boy, you got to hand it to him. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. this woman, is she, is she? Did she get like some free flights, or is she oh, afraid of that? She got a lot more is than free just, flights. Uh, I'll tell you the truth. Put me in seat twenty-five. <laughs> nope. Hold on. This just in. She ordered cream of broccoli soup. Oh, no, 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 please. That's all the time that we have for this episode of Total Useless Information with Nick and Roy. We Did will... that guy ever hear that the Mile High Club is in the bathroom, not seat 11? <laughs> it was 11, hold on, it was seat 11 F. Right, yeah. F for yeah. Fingers McGee. <laughs> no, it's McGarity, you're close. That's all the time we have. Fingers McGarity. That's what they call him now, Fingers McGarity. <laughs> well, Fingers McGarity and all, this is, uh, we will scour the internet and other sources, and God only knows where we get this stuff. We're totally useless information for you guys next week. Now, listen, guys, 100 episodes, really all joking aside, you will learn so much stuff. I know we do. We, we, we can't believe the, the amount of junk that's in our heads. But if you listen to our show, you'll learn all this stuff. Please tell a friend about the show pass it on to others i'm nick and i'm roy thanks for listening totally useless information with nick and roy is a production of nickandroy.com visit nickandroy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts mm-hmm.